Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanReg Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me as always Elliot Niblock and Polly Costell. And uh, we're back to talk more about the United States national team and how they fared in the World Cup qualifiers. After a uh, stinging defeat to Costa Rica, they had to settle for a 1-1 draw on the road against Honduras. We'll break that down and talk about the future for this national team. We'll also jump a little bit into the South American qualifiers since we didn't get to that last episode. Where uh, Chile is sort of in a bad spot here now. And then of course, with the Premier League returning this weekend, we'll uh, highlight a couple of the games and then we'll get into our scoring predictions as usual. So Wow, we got a table of contents this week. Yep, <laughs> we really did. Impressive. So, First off, 1-1 Honduras. Uh, and, I mean, the U.S. still in fourth place in the hex. So that would mean the Inter-Confederations playoffs. How likely do you think that it it is now, seeing that they only got one point against Honduras? This is you, Elliot, because I've spent two days trying to repress this memory from my brain. So I need you to, I need you to jog it a bit. I mean, honestly, extremely likely. And my, at this point, you know, we, we've dropped five points and at no point did we really look like a team that deserved to take much more than one point from these two games. And so therefore I'm, I will I will take a really nervy playoff against Australia or Syria at this point because what I'm worried about is going into the final match with everything to play for and even that yet on the table because we have I mean you know that's finishing 5th is not out of the cards mathematically still I mean we it's still extremely likely that the US will finish 4th at the worst but I mean, if you're asking me what I think the odds are, at least 60-40 that we go to this playoff, unless both A, Bruce Arena sets up the team significantly differently for the October qualifiers, and B, the team shows up and plays like they really want it and that they know what's on the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Mexico and Costa Rica, they're both in it now. Mm -hmm. And... uh... yeah. I'm just I'm uh, I'm a little bit afraid here because Honduras have to play both these teams. Or both they, these they nations. have nothing to, and those those teams have nothing to play for. But Honduras isn't as good as they were the last two years when they qualified for the cup for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So I I do think even all right. So like let's say Mexico decides not to call in their best players, like you know Chicharito doesn't come in and and all those guys. You're you will be getting a hungry Mexican squad. Like we spoke about it last time. You're going to get hungry Mexican players that are trying to make the World Cup team. So, in in other words, it's almost better for us if Mexico calls in, you know, their B squad with a bunch of fringe players who are trying to say, like, oh, I don't want to be number 26 on the roster. I want to be number 18. Um, That team, I think, will will beat Honduras. Mexico doesn't seem to have as many issues going to these away games in CONCACAF. Costa Rica, the same thing. Uh, and I don't think they're not two home games for Honduras, right? No, Costa Rica first on the road for them. Yeah, so they should drop points there. And then um, you got Panama, too. Right. The, 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 what I'm worried about is, is the U.S. And look, I would have been the first one to say you know, a play like a playoff against even even against Australia. We're better than Australia. I know this. We the, I think the last time we played was 2010 in South Africa, right before the World Cup, where we beat them, and we are a better team than than we were back then. And I don't think they are as good as they were back then. I ordinarily I wouldn't have a problem playing Australia. Also, big 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 factor is they've already done the draw. And uh, we would have the first home game in that home-and-home series, which means Australia has to reconvene their team, make a 24-hour flight to the U.S., make a 24-hour flight back to Australia. So as bad as it will be to go to Australia, like the travel for them is so much worse than for us. We have the advantage there. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't hate it. We're, you know, Americans are always pining for competitive games against non-CONCACAF teams. That's pretty much why we value the Confederations Cup so much because we're just like, oh, it's a chance to play real games against other against teams from other federations. And so, we started and we weirdly hosted the Centenario for the Copa America as well for the same reason. Weirdly, other than like we wanted to have a tournament and we were like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, hey, our currency's strong. You guys want some? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like hell yeah, we'll play you guys in real matches. So good for us. So I wouldn't hate two more matches against uh, non-CONCACAF teams. The issue is CONCACAF is so – their World Cup qualifying is – so goddamn forgiving that it's not like, oh, like we had a slip up here and there and that's why we're playing Australia. Like we're still confident that like, you know, we won't have a, you know, we lost to a better Mexico team and then we just dropped points somewhere else and now we're in the playoffs. It's like, no, you had to constantly F this up to end up in this situation that it's like, okay, cool. You got, you, you did. You lost to a better Mexico team. There's no shame in admitting that Mexico is better than us right now. Like, it, this is a rivalry that goes up and down. Some, you know, Mexico had a lot of dominance against us. Then we flipped the script and we started beating them. Then they came back and started beating us. And then we started beating them again. And now the pendulum swung back the other way. And people just have to realize that. So there's nothing wrong with losing to a better Mexico team. It's just the fact that we're losing to everybody or we're not beating anyone else. And. That's where it's like, oh, so we are better than Australia, but we're also better than Trinidad and Tobago. We're better than Costa Rica. We're better than... Um, well, clearly, clearly the U.S. is not better than Costa Rica. I mean, a, year, Seb, a year ago, we beat them 4-0 in the, in the, in the Copa America. You know, yes. like, we had never lost a competitive home game to them. And, a, and yes, I understand. Four years ago, we had to rely on like a blizzard and a game that never should have been played because of the conditions to beat them 1-0 in World Cup qualifying. But we did give it our all, and they gave it their all last summer in Chicago, and we wiped the floor with them. We are a better team than them. When we go there, they beat us. Okay, fine. We don't win it in Costa Rica. No, That's fine. I, I'm, I, the only thing I take issue with there is that we have. I think that objectively we have more quality on the team sheet than they do. We are not a better team. Certainly, right now, we don't look like a team whatsoever. But I okay, and that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair, and that's exactly why it's like, oh, okay, so we might be a better team than Australia, and we might be a better team than Syria. But how am I supposed to feel comfortable saying, oh, but we'll beat them when it's like we can't beat anybody else? And right now, it's we now need to beat Panama at home, which we should do. But yeah, should. But yeah, that's right. a must win. Exactly. Should. And then everybody's looking at it like, okay, and then you have an away game against Trinidad and Tobago, who are the whipping boys of of the hex right now. You know, everybody beats Trinidad and Tobago. Well, let me tell you something. A year ago, last November, uh, not last November. Yes, last November, we went down to Trinidad and Tobago and we got a nil-nil draw. And the mm-hmm. only difference between the team now and the team back then is Christian Pulisic wasn't a starter back then. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't last November, two Novembers ago. Mm-hmm. It, that's the difference, was we didn't have Christian Pulisic back then. But other than that, it's pretty much the same team. And Bruce Arena has established the fact that it's the same team. So yeah. to say that we you – know, and, and like this should be the telling part, is in the semifinal round, our group was us, Trinidad and Tobago, who have been the whipping boys of the Hex, Guatemala – who aren't that good, and not even arguably, but unquestionably the worst team in that was in the semifinal round of CONCACAF qualifying in uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and we barely made it out of that group. You know, to me, though, I think that... So, Paula, you brought up the fact that the draw is already out for the potential... Well, the certain but potential U.S. playoff game against... Um, Oceania, or Asia, rather. Asia, yeah. Um, I, 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 I mean, they've reshuffled the conferences. I'm not entirely sure. No, Australia just moved their <laughs> continent to Asia. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Um, but, re- so regardless, I, I think that not only does that play in our favor, even though the first of the two matches that we'll play next month will be, as you said, I think absolutely rightly, 
clearly a must-win game. Seb, I think you said that. But yes. regardless, like, yes, it is a must-win game. But I think that that plays in our favor because it it's, you know, at this point, it seems pretty nervy. And I think that we should be concerned because our backs are against the wall, right? We're in fourth. But if we beat Panama, then suddenly we are in, you know, we leapfrog them into third with an away game to the quote-unquote whipping boys of the group. And if we beat Panama, then I think we cruise control to a 2-0 win at Trinidad and Tobago. And then, you know, everybody breathes a deep sigh of relief and Bruce Arena gets his swan song at the World Cup in Russia. But... If we drop points against Panama, which if they play if they play anything like they did in both of these two fixtures during this international break, then I expect us to drop points against Panama at home. And so that's exactly why I say that at this point, you know, I mean, given given the sample size of at least these last two games to go on, I nervously anticipate that. I mean, it's almost like you're saying like, oh, because our backs against. Well, luckily you didn't say that because I would have disagreed. When our backs have been against the wall recently, and mostly under Jurgen Klinsmann, when our backs have really been under the wall against the wall, we came out firing. You know, it starts with, uh, or you know, when we lost to Jamaica in the um, in the semifinal round of his first World Cup qualifying, that put us. You know, we we had one win, two losses, and it was a terrible thing. And then we wiped the floor with Jamaica. And then in the hex, we opened up with one win and two losses and then went on a massive unbeaten run and wiped the floor with the hex. And then in the Copa America, when we, um, we lost to Colombia, and for some reason, even though Colombia at the time was ranked number three in the world and they were definitely better than us, for some reason, losing 2-0 to them was like a tragedy that needed to be prevented and was a joke. And we came back and we, we beat Costa Rica 4-0. We then people will say, oh, we came back after after winning, you know, like we lost those those two games to Mexico and Costa Rica. And then we our backs were against the wall and we came out firing again. Like, no, we we like our backs weren't against the wall because there was almost five months in between qualifiers. And then we came out and we played a really crappy Honduras team and we beat them badly. We went down to, I believe, Panama and. We scored an early goal, took our foot completely off the gas, led in an equalizer, and got a 1-1 draw in a game that we should have won 1 or 2-0. So this this time now, we lose to Costa Rica, our backs are against the wall, and we came out so flat, so flat. And then one of the staples of the United States has been, even when we go down in games that, whether we should go down or we shouldn't go down, we don't give up and we don't stop fighting. And in this game against Honduras, we went down 1-0, and the entire team deflated. Mm-hmm. And that was a very telling sign. And it starts with, we went down 1-0, which was so expected. It starts with the manager. It was hard to anticipate any other result with the team he put on the field. And we'll get to that. It's, it's hard with the leadership. It's, why, it's how come this team constantly has to have their backs against the wall? And to come yeah. out firing. Yeah. You know, why? why? Why is that what it takes? And that's leadership. And the lack of urgency in this team. How many times have we said we need the U.S. to show some urgency? And then, you know, you get it to Michael Bradley and he's playing a square ball. Like, on a, we have, ca- like, it's a counterattack and we're playing square and we're slowing things down. And we're playing a slow pass that our winger has to wait for the ball to get there before he can go. It's, there's no urgency on the team, and it all comes down. It comes down to leadership, and it's on the field leadership, and it's leadership from above the yeah. field. I mean, we have allowed more than twice as many goals as both Panama and Costa Rica in the hex. Said differently, we've allowed one more goal than Panama and Costa Rica combined. I mean, the 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 lack of you know mental discipline, focus, whatever you want to call it, is extremely frustrating i know that we make a lot of video game analogies in this podcast but i don't care i just got a ps4 i'm just gonna keep doing it anyway hey congrats welcome to the team i know it's great but it's so infuriating because again you you look at the quality on the team sheet and then you look at the other teams who are playing and you think ah okay i can just 
kind of coast through the games against Honduras, Trinidad, and Panama. And then maybe have a little bit of trouble with Costa Rica because they're good going forward. And they've got a solid goalkeeper. And then the real game is Mexico. You know, I mean, it's if you just look at the quality, you're just like, no, you know, this this should be this should be totally fine. But I, I'm, I, you know, I mean, we we spoke about this when Arena was appointed that it's a safe move. It's it's absolutely nothing better than fine. But I think that it's now starting to tell that. This is literally a backwards move chronologically. Is it one step forward and two steps back ultimately? Because if the thing is that if we fail to qualify for the World Cup, which is unlikely, unlikely but not impossible at this stage, then it's one step forward and two steps back off of a cliff. Exactly. Uh, keep I that in mind, though. We will take our first break. Paul, you will get your oh, thoughts in. I was going to tease it. I no. was literally going to tease it. I was going to say, I love that you use the word safe, and I'll tell you why next. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, so stick I around. Coming. Break coming right now. <laughs> and we're back, Polly. Nice little tease there. I sort of <laughs> fluffed it up for you. But oh well, well. You, you you went off with the table of content yeah. contents. I was I was like we I'm gonna do my job and give you a tease. Okay, so you're yeah, gonna be good a tease research. Guy. Paying there attention to the table of contents. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> no, I mean, but uh, so Elliot, in the last segment, you you mentioned Bruce Arena, the higher. Well, you mentioned a couple of things. One is we've given up too many goals, and there's it's the 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 brain farts and the the letdowns and this and that and at the back. And you also mentioned how Bruce, Arena, how Bruce Arena was the safe hire. And we'll get to that in a second. The brain farts and everything at the back. I'm not one of those guys that says you need to play the same 11 every game because otherwise you can't, uh, you know, you, you don't understand how to play with each other. I don't say that. And pro I probably don't say that because I watched Sir Alex Ferguson change his team 108 straight games and win a Champions League final in the process. Yeah. That's probably why, you know, that's my school of my soccer education. I do believe, though, that you really need consistency in the back triangle, and that is your center backs and your goalkeeper. And going from that, uh, you need – basing off that, you want to keep your back four or back three if that's what you're going to do. And there's no sense in saying, look, uh, our team is better. Like, we've been playing with a back four for how many years? And our team now, today – and tomorrow is going to be better with a back three and making a change, but you got to stick with it. And I understand that's difficult when John Brooks keeps getting hurt. And I understand it's difficult when DeAndre Yedlin keeps getting hurt. But once you stick with the team, you got to stick with it. And to say that Tim Howard can't start multiple games in a row because of his injury, it's like, well, he does that for his club team and he's totally fine. Yeah. So you can't. Exactly, and it's uh, no. And the weird thing was that Arena said, "Oh, I think we'll have a lot of goal kicks this game." Uh, okay, so let one of the players take it then. You don't have to have Howard take it if his leg isn't up for it. Right, or or just you know like, look, Brad Guzan might be better with his feet, but uh, but Guzan Claudio Bravo last year was better with his feet than Willie Caballero, but Willie Caballero was better at keeping the ball out of the net. Exactly, and that's I mean, what the goalie's job is. Yeah. So to, it, it's that. And then, and really what struck, a, what struck a big, big, big nerve with me is on Sunday, I believe, yeah, Sunday or maybe Monday, Bruce Arena sat down with reporters and gave like a really candid interview where, you know, he, he said like a lot of the stuff I say, it's, it's I'm playing the media, I'm keeping the story. So you, like, so you guys don't have to like think of your own story. You don't have to go and criticize my players. But he also said, he, like when they asked if there were going to be changes, he's like, yeah, there's going to be changes. He goes, because at this time of the year, like in September, you really can't ask the European players to play back-to-back -back games. Yes, you he's can. Like, they're not ready for they're it. They're fresh. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Look, I get it. Fabian Johnson can't play multiple games. He couldn't play in the first game. He wasn't match fit. But he wasn't match fit not because he plays in Europe, but because he, you know, was coming off of an injury. Yeah. The fact that you said, oh, Jeff Cameron, who – is by far our best center back and had absolutely an, an off game 
100% he had an off game against Costa Rica, which happens. The fact that you said, oh, but he didn't get benched in this game against Honduras because he had an off game. He got benched because, oh, I can't rely on the Europeans in multiple games. He said, I can't do that with one exception. And we know who that exception is. How could you just say, like, if, even if that was the case, then don't play all of your European players in the first game. Split them up. Because you went out there with an MLS All-Star team. Not even an MLS All-Star team. You went out there with an MLS squad to, to play Honduras. And, and that's a problem. And I think the biggest problem this team has is, to get back to what Elliot said, when he called Bruce Arena a safe hire. Mm-hmm. We thought Bruce Arena was a safe hire. But Bruce Arena has done nothing but play it safe since we, since we got here. And this is something I wrote about. That's gotten us into trouble. Because Bruce Arena's eyes are get us to Russia, manage us through Russia. Yeah. He doesn't, and this was what I spoke about in my mobile take last last week. He doesn't have it, it. Doesn't matter to him if we're bringing in new players or not. So when you bring in Chris Wondolowski and you're saying, well, he's going to be the fourth or the fifth forward, and it doesn't matter. What you just told everybody, because remember when he took over the team and there were a lot of questions. You know, which uh, are the dual nationals going to be welcomed into the team? Which one of Klinsman's guys are going to get dropped? Uh, maybe Benny Failhaber is going to come back into the team. He really kept the team the same thing. And in his first World Cup qualifier, he pretty much, all he did was he established, he said Darlington Nagby is coming back into the, uh, into the starting 11. And Nagby's had two good games, both the home ones. He's had two bad ones, both the away ones. And now in this window, he's had two invisible games. But what he did was he pretty much established Nagby's always going to start. Pulisic's always going to start. Bradley's always going to start. Jorge Villafania, we're establishing you as a left back, except when we go on the road. And then we're going back to my trusted veteran, quote unquote, and (laughs) guy with experience, DeMarcus Beasley. Does it matter that DeMarcus Beasley uh, offers us nothing going forward or is way too old and can't keep up with their wingers? No, that doesn't matter. Oh, God. He, he, he got run off the pitch multiple times in that game. He, he has experience. And that's what matters to Bruce. So it's it's almost and he went in to that June that June camp and he told everybody on the first day of camp, here's how we're gonna play against uh it was Panama. Was it Panama? Or no, it was Trinidad and Tobago. Here's how we're going to play against Trinidad and Tobago. And then we're going to go to Mexico. We're going to make nine or ten changes. And here's how we're going to play in that game. Okay. Every player knew where they stood, and they all praised him because it's like, oh, with Bruce, we know where we stand. With Jurgen, we never did. But that breeds complacency. Mm-hmm. And all of the MLS players on the team have that complacency. Well, no one's... The thing go on. Is, yeah, the thing is, too, that I think that Jurgen, he was looking brother he did look at the dual national nationality players players from europe because i think it's a hinder to have this many players playing the mls i really do because the mls it is what it is but it's not a it's not a top league and your players are not gonna develop in in the same rate as they would if they played in europe so Let's fo- so you're right. You are you are right. But let's focus I mean, on one. Let's focus on one part of what you said. Well, yeah. the other part is is the debate that everybody always says it's not time for this debate, and and the MLS fans will get the MLS. It is what it is. But my point is is that it's also you know no one in MLS or no one on Toronto is coming and unseating Michael Bradley no. for two reasons. One is because Michael Bradley is their draw. He's the MLS ticket draw. The other is the MLS just doesn't have the depth to have someone come in for Michael Bradley. If, if Michael Bradley doesn't perform in multiple games, you know, uh, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You're mad. The manager can't say I'm going to drop you because I have somebody else that can do the job because he doesn't. And it, it's not Michael. It's not just Michael Bradley. It's Darlington Nagy. Too. It's, it's, and, it's, uh, uh, it's Matt Beasler. It's DeMarcus Beasley. It's Graham Zuzzi. It's all of them. And right now, when you look at Bruce Arena's team selections, the fact that that Kellen Rowe and Dom Dwyer 
played out of their mind. They were the lone bright spots for the U.S. in the Gold Cup over the summer in, in the group stage. And their reward for that was go back to your teams. We're calling in Bradley. We're calling in Altidore. We're calling in Dempsey. They're going to play the knockout rounds. And then when, like, maybe we'll call you for the World Cup qualifiers where you can gain experience and sit on the bench. And it's like, no, we'd rather have Chris Wondolowski because he's got experience. And as people pointed out, he'll sit on the bench and he won't mind. Guess what? Mm -hmm. Dom Dwyer wouldn't mind sitting on the bench either. What it does is it pretty much tells this team, you are the team. And no matter what, you're going to be the team. There's no risk in your place. I mean, it is the worst combination of – it is encouraging both complacency and at the same time a huge pressure situation. Right, it's like I, I, I agree with you entirely. It's like your your place in this team is safe. Oh, okay, that's fine. Oh God, that means that I'm it's on my shoulders. Like it, it is. It's the worst of all possible worlds, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I just I he's he's made a complete mess of it. But I mean, he is he is the the quote unquote safe choice, and he's made safe choices, and he's shown that you know what a lack of ambition turns out it's dangerous. And you know what? The One of the arguments for, let's bring in Bruce Arena, he knows CONCACAF, he has CONCACAF experience, as if Jurgen Klinsmann didn't go through the same qualifying cycle. His qualifying experience is, and we said this at the time, it's from, you know, years ago. It's from over 10 years ago, and CONCACAF has changed, and it's proving that it hasn't caught up to him. And if you want to go into the game, you know, Eric Lehigh, played very well in the Gold Cup, had his slip-ups, but then again, so did Omar Gonzalez. In oh, fact, Omar Gonzalez had multiple slip-ups. I mean, that goal was so terribly predictable. Just uh. Yeah, but Omar Gonzalez had multiple slip-ups defensively in the Gold Cup. He just happened to score two goals, and all of a sudden everybody like somehow forgot about them. He's still one of Bruce's trusted guys, so he gets to play. Eric Lehigh had Lehigh played... Very, very solidly out there. Played pretty well. Had his fair share of slip-ups, as did everybody on the team. And he can't buy a game. And in fa- and we're instead, we're, we're going out there and we're, we're starting two older, converted wingers with no pace to start at in the fullback position. And Elliot, you said it last show. Why use Christian Pulisic in a way where he has to come back and defend. That's not what you want him to do. Leave him up the field. And against Honduras, he didn't really track back at all, which is unlike him. Maybe he was told that. Maybe he was too tired. But you're exposing Graham Zuzi if you do that. So why not tuck him inside somewhere and, you know, play, play someone like an Ali Bedoya who will put in a shift and help Graham Zuzi out while also giving Pulisic the uh, freedom to not have to worry about defending and freedom to attack. Instead, what he did was he pigeonholed Pulisic and screwed over his right back, and it cost us a goal and the game. Well, and also he... I I remember at one point in the last, you know, 20, 15 minutes of the match that Pulisic got called for a foul, and he he wasn't, you know, he wasn't tracking back into the final third. It was in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, he screaming at the referee, that's not a foul. I mean, clearly frustrated... And again, as as you say, he wasn't he wasn't as far back in the pitch as you would um, potentially assume that a right winger would be. But he he's clearly he, I mean, obviously the game was frustrating on many levels. But the the that to me, that moment of looking at him yelling at the referee is like first of all you're endangering yourself to get a yellow card here. But I don't even want you there to begin with. Like that, like that t- moment to me just crystallized exactly how wrong his positioning was for this game. And I, I pray that Bruce Arena moves him inside. I mean, will it'll be interesting to see what he does with Dortmund over the course of the next few weeks. But I just, I really, I just my kingdom for him in a central attacking role. Yeah, I mean, it's I clear, do. it's clear though that that's his best position. That's who Arena should be building the team around, and it's it's very frustrating to see a player of that talent not being able to shine. We, yeah, and I said, it's, I know. Always, 
it, it's certainly his best position without the bevy of quality going forward through the middle of the pitch that Dortmund have, yeah. which we again we talked about in the last show. Right, but and like, Seb, the U.S. needs him there. I know we got to take a break. I'll just real yes. quick. Give me another it's, tease. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, now I now I just for forgot my thing. No, it shows <laughs> something that that when we changed the formation and we moved him inside, that all of a sudden, that's when we got the goal and when he became more dangerous. And you know what? Like maybe he has all that attacking space on the outside if you play him on the right, but it's also easy for teams to double team him because again, when you're double teaming Christian Pulisic on the US, you're wor- you're not worried about Josie Altador in the middle. You're not worried about Michael Bradley. You're not worried about Darnton Nagby who was invisible against Costa Rica. If you double team him on the outside against Dortmund, you're you gotta worry about Mario Gotze who you know, only scored a, a winning, a game-winning goal in the World Cup final. You got to worry about Pierre Aubameyang, who scores 30 goals a season. It's different. Tuck him inside, and I think it's really telling that Bruce went with his old and trusted game after game. He's done that all since he since he's been called in. My old and trusted, the trusted veterans, and who was it that scored the goal for the U.S.? Christian Pulisic won the free kick. Kellen Acosta took the free kick. Matt Beasler, who for some reason was overlooked to Tim Ream and gets overlooked by Omar Gonzalez, kept it alive. Jordan Morris flicked it back. Bobby Wood put it in. It's the new guys, yep. plus Matt Beasler. Mm-hmm. And that's the telling sign. And when we come back, you'll get why Alexis Sanchez is screwing over club and country. There we go. So with that, we'll take our second break. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back, and it's time for the South American World Cup qualifiers. And, uh, Polly, you alluded to our big talking point here, Alexis Sanchez. As uh, Chile, they sit in sixth place. So they're not making the World Cup right now with two games to go, though, uh, we should say. And, you know, looking at their latest game, a one nothing defeat to Bolivia. Bolivia. I mean, Help. Bolivia. Ninth place, no. Bolivia, who were already eliminated from making the World Cup prior. And they to got and they got shellacked too. But I mean, this is really bad. I mean, we're talking bad if you know the U.S. have to go to a inter-confederations playoffs, but if Chile misses out on the World Cup, that would be huge. Yeah, well, It'd I mean, coming off the greatest threat. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, it's the greatest stretch in their national history. I mean, two Copa Americas back-to-back, even though one is, like, the weird pseudo-Copa America, whatever, doesn't matter. They, like, Chile are coming in to, yeah, they're, they're, maybe they have, we talk a lot about the international hangover uh, for league matches, but maybe they're having an international hangover on their international matches. Mm. But they... They did not look good in this game. I mean, no, I, and, that, I, and I mean, it, it's a bit bad. It, it's weird too, since they. I thought there would be some form of you know response from this team after losing three nothing at home to Paraguay. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. they're they're gonna kill Bolivia. Nope. Yeah. So okay, Paulie. So you said you said he's ruining both club and country. Expound on that. Well, all I all I because I did not watch, but all I've heard or what I've read, was he looked off the pace. He looked... Abject, yeah. Yeah, he looked off the pace. He looked not so much disinterested, but just... uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, Unfocused? Yeah, a bit of that. And that's under... for Maybe not against Bolivia, but that's totally understandable in the first game, considering that the first game kicked off a half hour after the transfer window shut and he was he's trying to get out of his he's trying to get out of his get out of Arsenal there's a deal in place with Manchester City uh Manchester City had representatives in Chile so they could do a medical before this game happened so that they can get that transfer in and at the last minute Arsenal says nah we're not selling yeah, like, I, I wouldn't know where his mind was that, you know, his mind all day is he's doing this medical with Manchester City, or is he doing the medical with Man- You know, he's probably sitting in the waiting room of the doctor's office with the Manchester City doctors in the room, 
and they're just waiting for a phone call that says he can go in. That's probably where his mind was all day. Then you expect him to go out and play a game. And then you come down from that. Okay, you lost uh, your country. You got shellacked. It's bad. You're feeling the pressure now of the country. The fans are on you. But also personally, you're just kind of like, like, where is your head supposed to be? And he couldn't get it in order in, a, in another few days. And, you know, I, from a human standpoint, I don't blame him for that. No. No. Yeah. I mean, of course, he was understandably, understandably distracted, but also he's been run into the ground by this team. Like he's, and he, he's given them so much and he's not had an off season for years. And he's, he's done a lot for Chile, but I think that, I mean, did you guys hear, read any of his, uh, his Chile, like, I think it was published in the Chilean press, but his post game, comments after you know after this kerfuffle no please share so this is direct direct quote uh, via our blog i should say you get tired of being criticized with reason and without reason you get tired of those who want you beaten you get tired of saying to yourself once more i'll get up after crying after a defeat and you get tired of telling the world and people who are with you that everything is going well and the worst thing that no one ever realizes how that makes you feel. I wear the number seven of Chile, and it's a huge responsibility. That's why I'm sorry that journalists and bad people criticize without knowing. Hmm. End quote. Now, if that, I mean, if that is not the words of a man who is beleaguered, I don't know what they would sound like. Yeah. No, that's true. And I mean, of course, like you said, Paul, of course it affects him. And it's... It's the thing, too, that, yes, Chile, they have a good team, but Alexis is that final oomph that makes them a great team. And if he's having off days, then they're still a good team, but they're not a great team. Exactly. And, you know, World Cup qualifying is tough. You know, you can lose to Bolivia if you're not on your game. Yeah. Yeah, Bolivia away, I guess, you know, that's... Not as bad as any away game in any away game that's pretty much not uh, like San Marino or Moldova is tough in mm. World Cup qualifying. That depends. Brazil went and beat Uruguay four to one on the road. That doesn't mean it was it wasn't a tough game. That's, Brazil's really good outside of major tournaments these days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're pretty much the South American England. Oh. Oof. <laughs> Hot, uh, that's hot like, take. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little better than damning with faint praise. It's like damning with medium praise. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Alexis. Like we've spoken about before, too. I mean, you would assume that the Arsenal will try to make a deal in January so they can get at least some money for him. But we'll see what happens. Well, they don't have to. They don't have to because he can talk to any other team. Well, he he could say he, he could say no. Nah, I'm going to stay at Arsenal for the second half of the year, and I'm going to move for free to wherever I want. Because yeah, yeah, he can. If you're going to move in January, if you're going to move in January, then it's the team has to agree to pay for you, and then it's only what teams will pay. Yes, but it, but as he opposed can't to sign, it, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he can't sign a pre-contract agreement until January first. Correct. And yes, Arsenal correct. had the ability to run interference on that previous to that. I mean, it doesn't mean that they can get him say... to sign. A, they can get him to sign an extension, which is pretty much. So, I mean, the one advantage that he has in terms of big teams is he's not going to be uh, cup tied. Mm -hmm. So you, you do get the chance to change uh, one player. Like you get the chance to, to take one player who played in the group stage of the Europa League and move him to a champions league squad. You can do that for one player, which is what happened with Fernando Torres when he moved from Liverpool to Chelsea in January. So he's actually not cup-tied for the Champions League because otherwise that would completely rule it out. Oh, yeah. What if Arsenal were smart, and I think you might act – and this is, this is pretty much what tomorrow, Friday, uh, so today when you're listening, is today should just be called 
the contract extension day because I think you might see a bunch of players like Coutinho and um, anybody else that was like linked away from a club and put in a transfer request and has not a lot on their contract going. If Arsenal were smart, they literally sit Alexis down. They say, you are not playing until you sign a contract. And you will be out of form for Chile. And you right now, your country needs you. But how good are you going to be right now if, if you haven't played in four weeks the next time you go there? Or if you haven't played all year, how good are you going to be in the World Cup next year? And you sit him down and you say, you are not playing until you sign a new contract. And we promise we will sell you next summer. You know what? Polly, I think that that is a really good point, and I think that that would be a really strong move, and my faith in the Dick Law and the Arsenal negotiating team is such that there is 0.01% chance that that actually happens, yeah, because the they one, are, they're spineless. They're, they're spineless. They would never do that. The one issue that they have is they played him against Liverpool. I mean, this is exactly what United did two years ago with David De Gea. They, they didn't play him at the beginning of the season so that when they didn't sell him because the fax machine broke, which they claim is Real Madrid's fault, and I will forever go to my grave believing United did it on purpose. And <laughs> they they sat him down afterwards and they said, look, we're, we've, we've already got Sergio Romero in goal. You're not playing. You're not going to be Spain's number one at the Euros unless you sign a contract. And he signed. Literally the day he returned to the club. And you sit Alexis down and you say, look – we might lose you for free in January or next summer. So eventually we're not going to have you. So we just won't have you now. Yeah. I mean, you can always, you know, try and get a club to come in and, and pay for him. So he will leave in January. I mean, you would, if I were Arsenal, I would court by Munich. Um, so we'll, yeah, I, mean, well, yeah, I mean, apparently it's Manchester city. Everything that I said about him not going to Manchester city last year, like, I went to bed after recording this, and by the time I woke up, it was all disproved. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Man City. And I mean, I understand that Arsenal don't want to sell to Man City. Yeah, but they might, but they might, they might have to. They might, they have, might to. have to. Yeah. So, we'll so speaking of transfer deadline, the uh, clubs have voted that starting next season, the transfer deadline in England will close prior to the start of the season. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Go ahead, Elliot. I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm just going to tell you that you missed a lot of the uh, issues. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's a good thing. I mean, I you know I know that the and Alexis Sanchez actually, you know, whom we've been speaking about, who I was just saying that Chile have essentially run into the ground, is a great case in point. But I mean, I get I get it that players get exhausted and they need international breaks, but the you know the unnecessary drama and uncertainty leading into the season that is caused by the overlap of the transfer window with the first couple weeks of fixtures i think it in the overall scheme of things offsets by far the you know the exhaustion of a handful of world class players and i mean maybe that sounds callous but I think they'll they'll be fine. I mean, these are these are professional athletes, you know. Like you're, I'm I'm sorry that you have to take a private jet or get super first class on whatever you know airline that's going to give you a proper bed to sleep in to fly back across the Atlantic to sign this contract and do a medical. But I I, I understand that point, but I I think it's a great thing. I think it makes a ton of sense. And for the handful of people who are going to be more tired and have their vacation cut short, I'm sorry you're going to retire as a millionaire at 32. I love, I love how you focused on my last point when we argued this two weeks ago, and didn't actually address the big, the big issue with this. I, I love how that that was your focus. I'm so in your head. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume that's what you wanted to talk about, but it's tell, not, tell, me, tell me what you think the, the big side. issue. I'm not even going to focus on the player side. This doesn't solve any issues because it's only the Premier League. And it, it, first of all, look, does it encourage teams to get their business done early? Yes, but any manager should want to do that anyway. You know, there's a reason that Jose Mourinho was pissed off that United started the, uh, their preseason tour and only had one signing and then 
by the time they were playing games, it was like, we only have two signings. He wants to have everything done before the um, before they start their preseason because he wants them all together. So that's just a manager. And look, it takes a lot for me to praise Jose Mourinho, but that's a manager who, you know, he's smart. He wants his team in place early. Get your business done early. Yeah, I've always thought that Jose Mourinho is a tool, but I've never thought that he wasn't an intelligent one. <laughs> yeah. He is, no, he is a tool. The thing but, is, the thing is, too, though, I think that when a big league like the Premier League takes this step, this could get other leagues to adopt it, too. Well, and even, so, if, they do, even if they don't, though, the Premier League is where, not all, but the greatest concentration of the money is. And it's, no, it's going to be a no, de facto Stop, day. stop. No, it's not. Get out of here. No, it's not. And does, first of all, it doesn't solve the issue of, if Barcelona watch or if something happens and like a team starts floating your name out there and all those rumors are in there, it's not going to solve that issue. Neymar went through training camp and preseason with Barcelona and those rumors were like clouding over him. And then he still moved to PSG before the season started, but it still caused unrest in Barcelona's preseason. He didn't have a preseason with PSG, so it's not going to solve that. But more importantly is like what Seb said, is unless other countries follow suit, it's not going to be an issue. Coutinho, you know, Liverpool said we're not going to sell, and that that dragged on. Okay, so it dragged on for the first three games of the season, and then the deadline came. But guess what? The Spanish deadline wasn't until the next day. Like, Liverpool still had to hold their ground for another day on that. Like, Coutinho could have left after the window shut. And... That's not going away. If Spain doesn't change their deadline and Barcelona and Real Madrid are, are trying, or if Real Madrid's trying to grab David De Gea out of United, just because the Spanish deadline, or just because the Premier League deadline closes, that doesn't mean that Real Madrid still has another month to dangle that carrot and try to lure him away. And it almost puts the Premier League at an advantage, at a disadvantage, because, yeah. you know, what if what if a player just says, I, I'm just not going to play for you? Now you don't, you know, the reason that Alexis is still at Arsenal is because Arsenal said, well, we can't get Lamar. We couldn't get the replacement, so we're not going to sell. But what if Alexis had just said, look, I'm not playing. You know, I want this move. And until, if all the countries don't follow suit, other country, other teams can still poach your players, and now you can't replace them. I think they will, though. Yeah. I think they will. Maybe, yeah. not, maybe not as soon as next year, but I, I, in, no. in due time. I think we'll, we'll see a... a transfer deadline that is before the season starts for no, most but, I, but i do think, I think you're we're right, gonna Paulie, see i mean i, I think, think you're right that it does place the premier league at a slight disadvantage during the growing pains of that but i also think that the money and prestige but let's be real the more so the money on offer in england is going to ultimately just shift it to that being the status quo probably within the next five years it's, I think what we will see is an increase in like May 10th news where it's like so-and-so and everybody like agreed to a fee and like they've agreed to personal terms. And then as soon as the season ends, like the guy takes a medical signs and it's like, this will go into effect on July 1st. And then he has his off season and, and you know, the trail, like, you know, like I, how I agree. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think that's a good thing too. So we, we will get an, a, a, an increase in that, but does it solve the problems that they're trying to solve? No. And and it raises big problems if the rest of the countries don't follow suit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, but I think it's, but I mean, to your point though, I, I think that that is, that is at least a small good thing. It doesn't, it doesn't solve everything. That's, that's for sure. I mean, you know, it's, I think a step in the right direction, but it's a step that the, richest and most illustrious league in the world at the moment at least is taking and hoping to be you know the banner carrier that others will follow and we'll see if that works out yes and this article that i'm reading right now just pro uh, it's a good point if they don't follow if those european countries don't follow suit they could put the pressure on on the premier league teams because they know they have less time mm. the and, less you know, time and more money Right. So it's, it's, if you don't have, you know, if you're trying to sign a player from them, they can hold down and know you've got less time and look, all right, you finally signed him, but we still have another month to find our replacement and we just got more money out of him. 
Well, but the, but the flip side of that, though, I mean, this is totally a thought experiment, but at the same time, it's, you know, you say it's three hours before the window closes and you say, look, we're we're going to offer 60 million for so and so. And if you want it, take it. If you don't want it, enjoy getting roughly half that, maybe 40 from another club in Europe because we know the billions of dollars that exist in the Premier League for the TV deal and we know that you're not going to get that much elsewhere. So it's I mean it's somewhat of a disadvantage but you know you've it, and it's it, again this for my own <laughs> for my sins it brings me back to how terrible Arsenal are at negotiating but a team with a strong negotiating position would be able to play that potentially to their advantage, though not certainly. Yeah, we'll give you ten, right ten, before, 10 pounds and a bar of soap. Right before we <laughs> right before we take the uh, break, there is one really good news to come out of this, and that is that the deadline will shut at 5 p.m., which means noontime Eastern time, which means I don't have to watch Sky Sports News on an endless loop all day. I wake up, you know, it takes two hours to, like, uh, catch up on everything that's been happening, and to catch up on everything that's been happening in the news. And then it's like you got like three more hours to watch the, the end of the day. And, and then it ends. And that'll be good for the drama because this year there was so much going on. And then at 2 p.m. it all fizzled out. Yes. And when we come back, we'll actually talk about the Premier League. <laughs> there we go. So break time. Okay, and we're back. We're going to get into the Premier League here now as the league returns after the international break. And two games that we're going to touch upon. First off, Manchester City against Liverpool. Pep versus Klopp. Elliot, how excited are you for this game? Um, Extremely. <laughs> it's the uh, early I mean, game. I, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, make, I'll make time. I might be You'll make some coffee. half asleep. I might be hungover. I might even still be drunk. I'm hoping I won't still be drunk. That's not true. I'm actually going out Saturday, so it's unlikely that I'll be that on Saturday morning. So I but I love it. I mean I love I love Jurgen Klopp, even though occasionally I love to hate him. I feel the same way about Pep Guardiola. I mean I feel like they're they're almost you know, they're, they're like strange antipoles of the Myers-Briggs test, right? Like Jurgen Klopp is up out of his seat at the tiniest infringement, has the strange ability to almost like unhinge his jaw and scream with the fire of a thousand suns. And then Pep Guardiola keeps his hands in his pockets for 70% of every match, even when he's standing. Yeah. I don't even pretend to like hate or or not love to love Jurgen Klopp uh, you know he's he's my guy <laughs> and a video came out today of him wishing uh I guess some sick kid somebody somebody's ran into him in a parking lot in Liverpool and they had Jurgen Klopp wish their their like sick nephew well and at the end <laughs> and at the end Jurgen goes oh and I hear like you're an Evertonian like, so I, I still hope you can enjoy this message from me. That, that's funny. Yeah, there's just, uh, there's nothing bad to say about him. My friend who's, my friend is a Liverpool fan, and all he does is, I forgot what he texted, but something about, like, you know, I will love Jurgen Klopp till the end of days and, and this and that. And, then, and all I did was I said, I'm screenshotting this now so I could play it back to you when you're con- when you're complaining about the fact that, you didn't buy any new center backs in January, and he's completely neglecting to play defense, and you just lost the game 4-3. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But, yeah, how do you think this one will play out, though? Manchester City playing at home against Liverpool, who does show up for the big, bigger games. It's a great question, Seb. This is why we have scoring predictions. I know, yeah. but before we get into scoring predictions. Tell you what, it won't be a scoreless draw. Yes, <laughs> that much we can probably uh, agree on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's 7.30 a.m. kickoff on Saturday Eastern. I hate that that's the early game. My God. Well, hopefully it sets a good tone for the rest of the day. You know yeah. what? Saturday. called me sleeping after it's done for yeah. an hour. You know what? Personal. Saturday, though, is not a bad day. Like, Sunday's awful. 
Sunday is bad, and and the Premier League really screwed up this week. Or well, not su- the Premier League, Sunday, Sky Sports. Sunday, they know that, you know, there's NFL on Sunday. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, because they also know that the games end right before the NFL kicks off. And, I mean, if you just look at, if you look at the slate of games, first of all. Yes. So here are the 10 o'clock games, which is 3 p.m. in England, which is games that are not televised in England. You have Everton Tottenham, you have Arsenal versus Bournemouth, and you have uh, Chelsea versus Leicester. Now, I will give Sky Sports a break here when they picked the schedule back in, like, July. They did not know that Arsenal were going to be this much of a dumpster fire. But even then, between Everton and, and Tottenham and Leicester and Chelsea, you couldn't have said, hmm, maybe one of those games deserves to get moved to Sunday instead of either Swansea, Newcastle, or West Ham, Huddersfield. I mean, yeah, that's a Monday game, West Ham, Huddersfield. Uh, oh, so it's, uh, it's, oh, it's Burnley, Crystal Palace, yes. or Swansea, Newcastle. And even that. West Ham, Huddersfield. What, like, all those games were moved for TV purposes. You couldn't have moved one of those three games in place of one of these three. I mean, you can't just always show the same teams over and over again. You know what, though? They really, they usually, if you, if you pay attention to, like, the schedule, they usually do. They usually, of between United, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, usually only one of those teams plays at 10 o'clock. Yeah, they got to mix it up a little. Leicester Chelsea, by the way, is going to be on NBC Sports Gold. Yeah, I'll watch. I got that. I got that subscription. It's tremendous. Yeah. yeah so oh, yeah. sell us on it's, it. It's not just. Well, it's fifty dollars for the year, which is not bad at all. That's not that bad. That's not bad at all. And it's half of the McGregor Mayweather fight. <laughs> it's not just the games, because like you're probably not going to get a lot of good games on it. It's it will come in handy. When you get those, like, on Boxing Day and when you get in the second half of the season, when you get those midweek games where all the games are on at the same time and, and you know, at United are playing at the same time as City or Liverpool and it's only one of them could be on TV. So one, or, one time or maybe more than one time, your team is not going to be the TV game and you're going to need to watch. Yeah. It's worth it for that. It's worth it for all the other stuff that they have on it. They have uh, – they, they show Premier League classics on it. They – they give you the Premier League news show that is that is a daily news show produced by the Premier League. They give you the like Premier League Today show on Monday, which is like the it's kind of like Premier League match of the day kind of, which is all produced by the Premier League, which is not available on American TV, and it's very good. It, hmm. it's, they do a good job of it. Okay. Well, I pretty much got my fifty dollars worth in the first weekend. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> all right, yeah, fair well, play. You, you did a pretty good job of selling us yeah, that. Yeah, pretty pre- pretty good job. Pretty good job. NBC should hire you. You should. I'm open. <laughs> okay, let's get into the scoring predictions. Heading into this game week. Let's see. How where's the standings? Um, it's it's on the other sheet. I, I can give them to you. I'm in the lead with 21. Elliot has 18. Seb is back to your normal ways. You actually got five points last week. There we go. I got uh, 14. Elliot and I both got eight, and you got 14. So nice. you're last. Okay. So it is what it is. So first off, Manchester City, Liverpool. Mm, I'll give City this one. I'll go three two. You took my you took my score as usual. Yes. Yeah, me freaking two. <laughs> so you know what? Before Elliot could steal mine, I'll go three one. Uh to Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got to I got to pick City in this. Um, I'll go two one. Okay, so we got two one, three one, three two. Then Everton, Tottenham. Everton having some uh, off field issues there with Wayne Rooney. Tottenham not playing at Wembley, so that means they're gonna win. It's two nothing Tottenham. Hey, Tottenham got a win last Sunday at Wembley. They beat like Serbia or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I'm gonna give Spurs a win on the road, but I'm, uh, you know, oh, although now there's gonna be a Rudy hangover. It's gonna be a oh boy, that was maybe a poor choice of words. Uh, I mean, he's uh, sobered up by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Uh, Two 0 Tottenham also. 
so yeah, going back on that. Well, Ronald Coleman said today he was disappointed in Rooney, but he he's going to play. Oh yeah. But yeah, I'm not benching my star for this game. Uh, and was it you said that told me last week that there was a woman in the car? Yes. With Rooney, yeah, and we yeah. we were unclear if if it was a hooker. No, she's not. She's, she's not. not a, she's, she's not a just hooker. A, she's just a, a woman about town. Yeah. A gorgeous girl who likes to close. Floozy? You know. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Either way, guys. If I'm young and beautiful and I can travel the world being young and beautiful, more power to you. Guys that are on hookers, like when they're – when they go back on to hookers, guys with those hooker addictions, that's when they're at the top of their games. So I'm pretty – like if she was a hooker, I'm pretty sure Everton was paying for it because that's the most legal way to give him PEDs. Having said that, uh, when Everton, Tottenham play, I'm going to keep going 1-1 until they prove me wrong. Okay. Then we got Southampton against Watford. Watford actually been playing better than I thought. So they'll take a 2-1 win here on the road. Nah, nah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Saints a point at home, one one. Uh, all right. So from here on out, now we're going. I'm either going to blow you guys out of the water or really let you guys back into this race. Yes. Or in terms of Seb, in terms of Elliot, I might give you a chance to give it a lead. We're in that first game back from the international break where what's up is down and down is up and all that stuff, and you never really know what's gonna happen. So I, I'm gonna agree with Seb on this and go and go two one to Watford. Yeah. But that's where my head's at for the rest of these games. I also think Elliot, you should have picked Liverpool to beat City. But mm. yeah, I thought about it for a second. Well, I'm gonna go one one between Arsenal and Bournemouth. Yeah, the shit show continues. Did you just rub your hands together? Because I heard it. I might have. I might have. I might have. Maybe. I, I, actually, I actually have a friend who's going to be at this game too, so it would make me extra happy if they drop points. I mean, you know, after relishing the schadenfreude of Jose Mourinho's downfall at Chelsea, I can't, you know, I can't talk too much smack. I... God, I fear that you're right. Um, I mean, not, there, there are no signs at Arsenal that things are going to go in the other direction. Alexis Sanchez is even more unsettled than he was previously. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't feel like Arsene Wenger has control of the locker room, but it's still Bournemouth at home. I Yeah, no, I'm on paper they should win. To give us a two-one win and eat my socks when we draw one-one, and maybe actually turn around and put a bet on a one-one draw right now. <laughs> I go, I go two-nil. We got, we got to hurry up. I want to hear the Pats fans boo Goodell. Okay, then we got Leicester against Chelsea. <laughs> um, Chelsea two nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Oh. Give him a third. 3-0. Come on, Fabregas. you got to carry my freaking fantasy team. Yeah, then we got Brighton against West Brom 1-1. Yeah, duh. it's West Brom 1-1. Uh, I give Brest- West Brom 1, Brighton 0, Hov also 0. Hmm. What about Albion? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Albion's getting one on the West Brom side. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stoke against Manchester United. Three nothing Manchester United. Confident. Confident. That's too confident. I I think they're gonna pull it out two one, but I'm going one one. I'm just we haven't won a game at Stoke since Sir Alex left. No, it's gonna be you know, you were talking about that hype train for Arsenal coming into the season, but it's man you all the way and it's gonna keep chugging two nil. Oh, yeah, it's all the hype. All the hype. Burnley against Crystal Palace. Burnley 1, Crystal Palace 0. I feel like Bur- no, Burnley didn't do that well at home. But Crystal Palace suck. Uh, God. 
I'll go one one. I mean, the you know they could be the first team to fire their manager. That's true. I, you know what? I'm I'm rephrasing that. I, I go one nil to Burnley also. No two nil because I'm not going to do Seb. I this this looks. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna do it. Scoreless draw. No, mm. no. Then we got a very early important game here between Swansea and Newcastle, two teams that most likely will be in the relegation battle. One-one. Uh, nah, Swans are gonna take it at home. Two nil. What did you say for the Burnley game? Me? Yeah, I forgot to write it. Down. Uh, scoreless draw. Okay. Uh, I'm going to zig when everybody zags, or I'm going to zag when everybody zigs. I'm going to go 2-1 to Newcastle. Mm. That's brave. Then West Ham against Huddersfield. I mean, I'm, it's another 1-1 one, one here. Yep. You're so imaginative. Yeah, I really am. You got four 1-1 one, one draws. They got they got to prove me right at some point, or else I'll just keep being furious. One 0 West Ham. They got to they got to get their win here. Uh yeah, no. Huddersfield has been good. West Ham been really bad, but we got this is the upside down week. So two uh, 0 to the Hammers. Yeah, because Huddersfield had so many players away on the international break. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Zing. I'm just trying. I'm, nope. <laughs> I'm trying to make sense of something. Okay, there you have it, guys. We'll be back on Monday and see how. Wait, did Aaron Moy went. not play for Australia? That's travel. Yeah, that is that is actually that is a lot of travel. That's a ton of travel. Yeah, that's a lot of travel, and he's been one of their best players. So maybe maybe you'll be right. We'll see. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Until then, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Paulie's P. Questel and Elliot is Keats was better. Give Fanrake Sports a follow as well. And like I said, we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye. Thank you.